Hello, friends, and welcome to another episode of the IT Business Podcast. I am your host, Marvin B. This is the podcast. If you have a managed services business, computer repair shop, or you are a solo IT entrepreneur, this is the show where we try to help you run your business better, smarter, and faster. We try to do this thing every week where we provide you with product stories and tips to do that. And we tackle nice little subjects like the one we're going to do tonight. My guest, Ryan Nichols from MSP Disposal. Ryan, how are you? Good. How are you doing, Mark? I am doing pretty good. And as people in the chat have already said, and I'm sure you've heard all day long, May the 4th (laughs) be with you. Yeah. Heard it a few times. Yep. And I even saw a... I don't know if they were trying to start a campaign to make it a month-long celebration. I think that's a bit much. Yeah, I I think a day is good. I I think an hour would be good. So (laughs) May the 4th at 4 p.m. would probably be the the right amount of time for me. So I want to thank you all for joining in, especially if you are here live. This is a show that I try to do. Every Wednesday at 8 p.m. Eastern, we stream live to YouTube and the Facebook, and occasionally we will stream to LinkedIn Live, which we are doing tonight, and I appreciate the people that I have seen join us from there. This is one of those topics that I think will interest business people as well as us in the IT service industry. Um, E-waste and recycling seems to be one of those issues that we thought would be solved Many years ago, there's myths about how much is actually being disposed of properly. A lot of people just think it's being recycled. A lot of people say, well, e-waste is recycling, but recycling isn't e-waste, all of these things. So, Ryan, I hope that you can help us out with a little bit of that tonight. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. Um, I, I, I'm not going to say, you know, I'm the absolute ex- expert on on it, but uh, I guess I am the expert here for tonight. So, uh, yeah, electronic waste would be I mean, like it sounds. It's any electronics that need to be uh, disposed of. So um, we're talking about yeah, computers. Talking about networking gear. Um, really, anything and in between. I, I guess as far as what we do, uh, it is going to be mainly in the uh, networking gear, computer space mainly. Um, I mean, but you know, you can be talking about cell phones. You're going to be talking about TVs. We don't, we don't get into that a whole lot, but that would be considered uh, electronic recycling as well, uh, because we're working mainly with managed service providers, hosting providers, contract manufacturers. Then we're talking about you know laptops, talking about servers, desktops, anything that's networking, uh, Ethernet switches, uh, uh, firewalls. Uh, batteries, anything that's involved in the connectivity of computers and anything that's actually in the, uh, the processing. So again, that's, that's what we do in that space, but there it is, like you said, it is a really big array of, of what it is and what it's not. Yeah. So here in Florida, that's where I am located. We've got some funky things that have happened over the years. I'm on my third business recycling partnership that I, that I've worked with over the years. When I started out, I you know, tried to take my stuff over to the county. 
you know, they would have a once a month where you're, you know, if you were a resident, you could bring over stuff and dispose of it. But mm-hmm. they, they kind of caught on that if you bring more than one computer, one printer, yeah. <laughs> whatever that you're a business and they don't allow you to recycle through those programs. Yeah. So then I had to go find a recycler and, you know, there's a ton of metal recyclers mm-hmm. that won't take computer parts. Yeah. And then there were a bunch of computer recyclers that didn't really do any e-waste. And I found that out because I would go over and take stuff on Saturday and all of the things that they could pull out and resell or all the computers that they could rebuild, you know, they'd have a little store that they would sell out of or a website. And then everything else would just be dumped out back in the dumpster, mm-hmm. just like Yahoo's like me would do. So that got me a little a little suspicious of stuff. Right. And then I also found that probably the worst offenders are us IT people. Because our shops usually are just full of stuff anyway, so right. why take on our customer stuff? <laughs> yeah. Exactly. Yeah, it's kind of a um I guess in, for a managed service provider, it, it just really depends. You know, I, I talk to mainly emergency managed service providers all day. And I would say most of them probably do take their customer stuff, at least the ones I talk to. I think it's just a, for them, it's an extra service to provide. Uh, it probably helps maybe uh, when they're getting that initial business to, to win a deal against a competitor. But it's always something like it, it doesn't sound like people, they, they want to take it. It's really, it's, it's a, more like it's a have to. Um, and so it is a very, usually a welcome call when I, when I do call, because what I hear most times is they are working with the local recycling yard, you know, but that, that involves actually having to get in the car, having to take the stuff to the center that takes time out of the day. And sometimes it's multiple trips. You may have like a local recycler that comes and takes the, uh, takes the stuff again. Um, it just really depends on the on the situation. But a lot I talk to, they don't they don't really have a good solution. You know, their solution is I, I ask them, what do you do with the hard drives? It's I take them to a shooting range. I shoot a bunch of holes in them. Um, I got a drill press. I got a hammer, you know, <laughs> which uh, is always pretty, you know, makes for a good uh, story on the telephone. But um, maybe not necessarily the most efficient way. But I get it. I mean, you got to get rid of that data. So what else do you do? Right. And a lot of us will, you know, will wipe the drives if they're a decent enough hard drive, 501 mm-hmm. terabyte, um, oh. solid state drives. We'll wipe them and resell them ourselves if we've got right. the certified wiping software. But um, it'll be interesting. So let's go back a little bit. So we uh, had you guys on a couple of years ago. And mm-hmm. I actually had you guys come and pick up a load. Okay, nice. And then I have no idea what happened to it. <laughs> Uh, I think well, it was everything happened correctly. I, I hope so as well. Okay. Um, so let's first start with giving everybody a little bit more of a description, what MSP disposal is, and then we'll talk okay. about what things have changed in the last couple of years for you guys. Okay. So MSP disposal, we are an e-waste company. Um, we are working in, again, as I said, mainly in the managed service provider space, but not exclusively. Um, managed service providers are the fastest growing, I would say, vertical or market that we have uh, encountered in the last couple of years, but it's not the only type of company we work with. 
We work with hosting providers, uh, again, some contract manufacturers. We work with some larger software uh, as a service companies. Um, you know, some of that includes Fortune 100, Fortune, uh, I'm sorry, 100, 500 companies. It's really a hub, you know, a gamut anywhere from down to like the smallest managed service provider with a few people and to, again, these large, large corporations. But if you were to look at our, our uh, customers, the majority of it would be in the, the managed service provider space. So that's why last year, I believe it was around March, May, April last year, we actually had a rebranding effort from our parent company, which is called Minus Tech, which, is, which still exists. But now we are known as MSP Disposal. It was really our effort to to better serve the MSP space because you hear minus tech and, it, it, you know, it may not really conjure anything up, but you hear MSP Disposal, there's no mistake in, like, what we do. It's like, I don't even, I really don't have to tell you what I do. I just MSP Disposal. Like, okay, well, yes, and you do is disposal for managed service providers. Um, so, uh, that's that's where we are now, and our website that we came out with about a year ago, which was I believe years in the development, has really changed things a lot as well. It's, it is allowed for visibility for everybody, uh, transparency, and also a lot of automation, which we're continually. I mean, anyone you know, anyone listening, anyone knows that's in software. You're continually improving. There's continual new developments that are coming out, so we're always continually to make things better. Uh, you know, like you're saying, better, faster, smoother, easier. Uh, and a real big thing for us is automating, you know, taking things that are, that took us 10 steps before. Now, can we get it down to five steps and saves time for us, save time for the customer. So uh, for me, I, I, I love the website and it's been really great for the customers too. Uh, just how it, it just, again, just makes the whole process a lot smoother. So, I know that when I first spoke to you guys, and I think uh, uh, Brooks was on the sh- on the show then, yeah. and at the time, you guys were just kind of expanding. You hadn't gone as far as you do now. Uh, it seems as though you guys are picking up pretty much all over the country now. It used to be, you know, from the Carolinas down to Florida mm-hmm. and back because, you know, at the time, you know, focusing on the East Coast. So how, how right. far out do you reach? So, um, as, as far as with the, uh, the, with maintenance service providers, and again, it just had to be just MSPs. It could be, uh, banks, it could be anybody, but it's going to be the whole country. Uh, well, they say that the lower 48. Okay. So we can work with anybody. And the reason for that is, uh, uh, a nice segue you gave there, Marv, just because, uh, maybe a year or two ago, well, it's probably been a couple of years. Uh, we started working with FedEx. Uh, they had a new program that came out. Uh, it's a FedEx freight box program. And so what it is, is this, it's a Gaylord. It's a, it's a large box. It's essentially, it's a box with a pallet uh, on the bottom built in. And so what we do is we partner with them and we send these large boxes out to, to anyone, to any of our customers, again, all across the country. And so they can go in and now it's nice. They can go into our website and they can uh, schedule these boxes or I'm sorry, they can, I uh, go in to have a box delivered. So they request a the box. They say, here's the address. They want it to, it can go to them, can go to their customer. They get the box. And then when the box is full, they will go in and they will request a pickup. And that's through the, the website as well. And so FedEx comes and they pick the box up. Um, we provide them labels. We provide them the bill of lading. So all they have to do is just make sure the present when the uh, driver comes, 
They will even come with a lift gate and a pallet jack because most of our customers do not have forklifts. Um, but yeah, that's the uh, that's the uh, homepage to the to the portal. And so they will come with a pallet jack and a lift gate if you don't have a dock or um, a forklift, and they will come and take it back to our warehouse in Columbia, South Carolina. So that's kind of that's where the process starts. So. Right. Before, if it was just a you know truck run at the East Coast, now we, we really can work, literally work with anybody in the lower 48. All right. And for those of you that are able to see us on video, I've put up the website, like you said, mspdisposal.com. And you can just simply go there and make a request. Now, is there anything that people need to do, you know, special when they're, you know, making a request? Do they have to give you how much stuff we have and is, you know, do you have to know if it's going to be one, two, 20 pallets and stuff like that? Yeah. So, and if, and if you go to the website, you wouldn't be able to log in automatically. We have to give you login access. So it's, 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 it's just as easy as contacting us and saying, Hey, I want to get access uh, to the, uh, to the website. And so we just create you a login ID, which is usually an email address. We, we can make it if there's, um, if you don't want it, your own email address, we can make it like it sells at or offset your domain name. But usually it's to that individual's email and then we create a password. And once that's done, they're they're good. They're live. They go in. Uh, there's a request tab. And that's where you go in and request a box. And that's where you go back in to request a pickup. And so you do need to tell us how many boxes you need. So you need to tell us how many boxes you need. You don't have to tell us everything that's going to be in it. We, but we need to know the number of boxes because we have to put that request in with, with FedEx. Okay. Now let's talk about the fact that you've said that you, you specialize in MSPs in the last couple of years. It's been a, mm-hmm. <laughs> the fastest growing segment for you. Yeah. Um, do you also pick up for just regular businesses as well? Yes. Um, not, not a lot of, I would say non MSPs, but yes, we can pick up regular business. We have um, some businesses are more geared like they're in the medical world. Um, we just work with them directly. Uh, we works with some banks, um, I'm trying to, I'm trying to think, you know, who else would be like, not a technology provider. It, it's mainly, it was some kind of technology provider, but there are ones. And I just can't think of any specific examples right now that aren't an MSP, but they have stuff that they didn't regularly need to get rid of. And so we work, uh, we just work with them, work with them directly. So, uh, to us, it doesn't, it doesn't really matter. You, it just, if you have, electronic waste and you need to get rid of it, then, you know, you're, you're a good candidate. Well, my thought comes up that if I've got a client and we do a network refresh, rather than bring all that stuff back to my office, could I contact you guys and say, Hey, I need you to pick up this stuff for my client. It's, you know, two servers, yeah. 20 workstations, couple of, I mean, that sort of a thing. Right. And we do that all the time because logistically it may make more sense to pick up from your client than from you because uh, now, in many cases, the client is not anywhere near near you. You may have a client that's literally cross country. Most cases, we're seeing that the clients are in the, the regional geography or locally, but we do have some customers that their clients are literally on the other side of the country, so they couldn't go and get their customer stuff. But that's okay because with with these boxes, we can just send them to to the customer, uh, assuming that uh, our customer has told them what's going on. And they just in a portal, they just need to tell us, you know, who, who's the customer, who's their email, how many boxes. And 
that's that's pretty much it. And then the, our customer and their end user will just coordinate uh, on the back end about everything. All right. Now let's get a little bit more into the to the weeds with a couple of things. So you guys, yeah. you guys actually do a lot of stuff where you itemize what's in the box. So yes, you know most of the recyclers when our guys come, they just they just come and grab it and go. And right. then the only thing I see afterwards is we do have a pickup charge because that's no longer free. Right. And then they bill us now per battery, which we didn't know on the last invoice. All of a sudden, yeah. we got like $100 in, in battery charges. Oh, wow. Uh, uh, that seems a lot. So it's a little bit different. But talk about that process of not only what do you pick up, but why do you itemize it that way? Okay. Yeah, there's and there's something else too I, I want to touch on really quick too. It's really the, the main thing that we do, uh, and we do itemize, the main thing that we do is get rid of the data. And so that's our number one priority is eliminating the data. And so when we receive the boxes in, the first thing we're gonna do is we're gonna take the hard drives and uh, we're going to tie them to a certificate that's tied to the serial number. And that's just to let our customer know when they go into the portal that the drives are actually in. Uh, they're actually in our uh, possession. So that way, okay, they know we have them. Then we lock them away until we can get them onto the servers. So once we can get onto our servers, we're using active kill disk, uh, DOD three pass to wipe the drives. So we go in, we'll wipe the drives. And once the data is gone, then there'll be certificates that's generated from active kill disk that they can go on to, to the portal and they can download, they can view at any time. So, um, you know, as we say, that's the heartbeat of our business is getting rid of the data. And that's why a lot of times people don't know what to do with their stuff. They literally have closets full of it because they're scared of the implications with the data. They can't just, in good faith, uh, just throw it out and hope nothing happens to it, especially if it's not even their own stuff, which most of the time it's not. It's their customer stuff. You know, obviously, that's huge liability, potential lawsuits that nobody wants to, nobody wants to touch or get into. So that's uh, important part we provide. And then, Marv, to get into your what you had asked about the itemization, it's kind of not separately, but at the same time that the hard drives are being wiped, we are also looking at this, this stuff, and we're going through the box, and we're itemizing it. We even have a tab that's called inventory. And so once we get to a customer's box, they can go to inventory tab. We'll, we'll tell them everything that was in their box because they know we got their stuff. It can be tied to the FedEx number, tracking number. But they can actually go and see, as we're going through it, which stuff is going to be disposed and which stuff is actually going to be put up either on eBay or we're going to sell to uh, directly to uh, buyers or brokers. And so, again, they can see everything. They'll know this getting disposed, why it's being disposed. Okay, well, this item is going to be listed. Actually, going to, we're going to put a, a value we think it's going to go for. And then, um, you know, in a week or so, they'll see it actually uh, pop up on eBay. So that's the... That's the other part we do that makes us different from most of everybody else is that revenue part of it is where we're actually sharing revenue back, 30% revenue back with uh, the client of the gross selling price. Well, that'll be cool. Right. So it's, it's, a, it's an extra revenue stream that they, uh, that they can receive on their stuff. And what we tell everybody is say, hey, our service to you is no cost. But however, we, because we are big on transparency, there's a charge. And for that box, it's $350. So the way that that works is we don't bill you and we don't invoice you for it. So that really helps everybody out. You're not getting a bill. 
and we're not having to do extra steps of accounting. But what we do is we take it off what we owe you. So we just take it off the top. So for example, if, Barb, let's just say that we had your stuff and let's just say $1,000 of it sold this month, then the first thing that we would do is take that 350 off the top. And then after that, whatever the remainder is, we're going to multiply by 30%. Next month around the 15th, we're going to cut a check and we're going to mail that to you. Okay. I don't want to go back and find out where my box is. <laughs> uh oh, I better. I better tell the warehouse guys we got a we got a three year old box to find. Yeah. So before we continue on, I want to take a yeah. quick moment here. We've got a couple of questions in the chat, but I do want okay. to make sure that I pay a couple of bills here. So <laughs> we are going to mention our sponsors. This show, IT Business Podcast, is presented by. NetAlly. NetAlly is your ally for all your network diagnostic needs. They have the best in handheld tools to help you design, diagnose, troubleshoot all of your networking stuff in as little as 10 seconds. So head over to NetAlly.com and get all of your networking needs taken care of. The live show is actually brought to you by Computers Done Right, managed services provider Done Right, committed to providing superior managed IT services and support to ensure your business operates at full capacity. And just like it says there, computersdoneright.com. And last, I need to make an announcement because this September 16th through 18th, I want you all to sign up and attend with me the 2022 annual TechCon Unplugged. It is in Chicago again this year, and Paco and Rick over at MSP Unplugged are putting on another great show for us where it is basically techs teaching techs alongside with the best vendors in our our, uh, industry that are helping us as MSPs to grow our business in a partnership. So that will be coming up again this September 16th through the 18th. Head over to techconunplugged.com and sign up. And if you want to do so, you can use a discount code ITBP75OFF. And that will get you $75 off the ticket price, letting them know that Uncle Marv directed you to the site and uh, get yourself a ticket there. All right. Bill's paid. There you go. So let's go back. We had, before I get to the ones in the chat, I did have a question that came into me before the show. Okay. Uh, gentleman or lady, I forget, uh, asked if you were R2 certified. They said that they had gone to your website and could not see uh, if you were. First of all, what is R2 certified. R2 certifications, just a, again, I, I preface this, I'm not a, an expert on this part of it, but my understanding is just a certification saying that you are certified to handle recycling of, of uh, materials and that you are not going to have it go basically in a landfill. So it's a certification is that, hey, it's going to be uh, recycled by proper means and it's not going to end up into a landfill. At least when I see that R2, that's what 
Um, that's what I think of is that, you know, okay, they're not going to just go dump this in a, you know, somebody's backyard or something. Um, so we work with R2 certified recyclers um, to be able to stuff that has to be disposed, but it's becoming now where we're not even have to working with them much anymore because, and this is a, another good thing to bring up about uh, another initiative we started. We have a big sustainability initiative now. So we actually purchased another warehouse, uh, I believe the latter part of last year, maybe the first part of this year. And a whole part of that warehouse is sustainability. And so now everything that needs to be disposed that we can't resell on eBay goes to that warehouse. And so uh, another thing we started doing was we started working with uh, the Rage and Smash Rooms. Uh, you mean like the movie Office Space where the guy just went bananas on the, uh, on the printer? Well, you actually can pay people to go to these Rage and Smash Rooms. And it's not just electronics. It's uh, glassware. Uh, I mean, it's anything. Cars. I've seen them with like, cars. And you just go in there and you pay for an hour, half an hour. And you just get out your frustration. And you just uh, beat the stuff to it's nothing else. And so we actually, they, these rage rooms and smash rooms started reaching out to us and say, you guys got any like extra stuff that you'd be willing to, uh, to offer us? And we said, yeah, we got a lot of it. <laughs> so um, we've actually now have been proactive in reaching out to these rage and smash rooms and saying, hey, we got this extra um, electronic waste that we can provide to you. We're going to you know, we'll offer to you, we'll sell to you. And then it's good for them because a lot of these Rage and Smash Rooms have to look for it. So we can be a constant supplier to them. So it's, it's good on many fronts. Um, we're getting rid of stuff. So we're, we're not having to work with third parties. We can just offer it directly to these Smash and Rage Rooms. They're having a good partner to have a reliable source. And you know, there's a mental health aspect of it as well that you know we're being a part of as well just to release that frustration and it's all bottled up and just i guess there's something cathartic about just taking a bat and smashing the fool out of something um so that to answer that question yeah we are uh we are getting to be self-sufficient where we're not having to even work with third-party r2 certified vendors anymore Hmm. so with the so it's rage and smash Rage and Smash Rooms, yeah. You just go and you just go and just go to just, Google or whatever. You're just type in Rage Room or Smash Room, and it'll bring up a whole list of them. There's there's over there's like two or three hundred just in our country. She's in the U.S. Crackers. So I could open up my space here and rent out. You know, hey, come smash some stuff. But here's okay, the thing. Man, I could- <laughs> but then what, but who then has to dispose of that stuff? I mean, it's still got to go yeah, that's, somewhere. That's a good question. And I've, I've thought about that too. Some of these rooms, you can one of those websites and they usually list about uh, their recyclables, what they do. And some of them will, um, they'll take it to, uh, to a recycler or they, they, they have some kind of method. They get rid of it, but yeah, you kind of wonder what do they do when they're, when they're done with it. Um, that's you know that you'd have to ask the rage and the rage and smash rooms on that one. But that's a good that's a good question because it's all got to end up somewhere, doesn't it? it? It does. It does. So I know that you had kind of gone over a list of stuff at the beginning of the show of what you do and do not take. Uh, I do not remember hearing this. And Chris asked, "Can you also take audio video equipment?" Yeah, yeah, we'll take any we'll take any electronic waste. We don't get a lot of AV equipment in, but yeah, you got enough to fill up a box, then 
and we'll take it. Another thing I should say too, is I get this asked all the time. You know, do you have any minimum or maximum requirements or do you have any length requirements? Meaning, do I have a certain amount of time that I have to sit in a box? So no, there is no minimum or maximum requirement when a box has to be sent back to us. It's just whenever the box is full, let us know and we'll schedule a pickup. So that way it's just whenever you need us, we're here. We're not like, Counting you all the time. Hey, where's that box? Where's that box? Where that's box? When you when you need us, okay, great. Go put in the request for a pickup, and we'll we'll take care of it. But yeah, we'll we can take AV equipment too. So this box that that you send the FedEx box mm-hmm. is it like fully enclosed? Is there a lid on it, or is it just a big bin that you just dump stuff in like a dumpster, and then they come pick it up like a pod? Yeah, I've actually wrote the dimensions down. You think I would remember them by now. So um, the dimensions of the box are 48 by 40 by 28. So it is, it's a large, it's a large box. And so the way that it comes is collapsed because you have a box that big is going to take up a lot of space. So they do come collapsed. They do come with the lid and they do come with straps. So even at those dimensions, you can fit it behind uh, a door or you could put it in a closet and it won't take a whole lot of space up. But again, once you pop that thing open, it, it does take a bit of, uh, it takes a bit of floor space. So, but usually once it's popped open, you're not going to have it in wherever it's at for very long because at that point you're ready to get it out of there pretty quickly. Okay. And this next question actually kind of goes to when you talked about uh, the hard drive wiping. So I wipe all my drives before I give them to my recycler. And I'll use that as my opportunity to bill the client for the wiping of those drives. But in this case, when you're sending stuff off, Brandon asks, how is the data secured during transit? Mm-hmm. Our recycling sister company sends out secure locked boxes to their customers, and then the boxes go into a locked down area at the warehouse for destruction. Right. So, and we've gotten asked that before too. I would say if anyone's that concerned about the data part of it, then just don't send the hard drives. Let us just take care of everything else. I mean, these boxes have straps on them, two to four straps. Um, We've never had anyone break into a FedEx truck or our own truck. Could it happen? Of course. I'm not going to lie and say it could because then everybody would, you know, call me a liar, of course, but we've never had it happen. But that's that's our response. If if, if someone is that concerned, and, and you should be, it's your data. Uh, we don't minimize that at all. Um, but we just say, hey, you know, just keep the drives just and we'll take care of we'll take care of everything else. And I had a customer recently um, that that was a concern. I, had, I did a demo with the the admin, uh, one of the tech guys, and he loved it. And the CEO said, yeah, I just I'm not I don't know about, you know, all these FedEx trucks and stuff. And hey, I said, I completely understand. Keep the drives. And we'll take care of everything else. He said, okay, because they need to get rid of the other stuff too. So that way it was, it was a, I see as a win-win for everybody. You take care of the drives how you want and we'll take care of everything else. There's no data on and get that out of your hair. All right. It is amazing how people get all wigged out with, you know, how secure is it? And they don't realize a lot of times stuff comes to them the same way it goes out. Right. FedEx, UPS. I mean, when I build a computer and ship it to a client, they don't ask that. Right. 
you know, after I've installed their software and all of their stuff and, right. you know, connected it to their network through the VPN or, you know, to make sure it works. They don't yeah. ask that, but I guess when, uh, when you save all of your kids' pictures in there, <laughs> it becomes an issue. Yeah, I, I get it. And also, too, depends on your, you know, the business, too, because there's some businesses that information is more super sensitive than the other. So, I mean, if you're talking um, like government, federal contracts and stuff like that, I mean, you got to be really, you got to be super careful with that, with that data. So I, I, uh, I guess it just, yeah, it depends what is, what, what's the data. Again, depending on what it is, I, I may be saying the, the same thing, but that's a good point that you bring up too. Well, the biggest thing is that we, as the IT service provider, that's our job is to protect right. the client and to make sure that exactly. that's done for them. And that's one right. reason why I wipe the drives. I let the customer knows I'm going to do it. So you don't worry mm-hmm. about who, you know, is doing it. You know, it might be somebody's kid um, yeah. wiping the drive right. and they may or may not do it. And they may say, Oh, this is a good drive. And now having said that, and <laughs> I just looked at my notes and realized when I said kid, you guys actually have a little intern program that you work with. So I, yeah. I don't want to offend those kids <laughs> that come and uh, work for you. So tell us a little bit about that. Okay. So the way that it started, so our headquarters is in Columbia, South Carolina, which is where the uh, University of South Carolina is, is as well. And that's where uh, Brooks that you had on before. He is the, the founder and CEO. He is an alumni and being very good at networking as he is, he has stayed in close relations to the uh, the business and the um, whatever their computer uh, engineering school is called there. And so, you know, as he's been scaling the business for the last few years, realizing you need to have um, a good workforce, but you're also talking about uh, a lot of this is a, you know, it's in a warehouse. So what he has done is worked with the University of South Carolina and a lot of our techs are interns uh, from the university. And so what he's done is built out a program where they're getting real world experience from us. They're getting they're getting e-commerce experience, warehousing experience, logistics experience, computers experience, parts experience, maybe some other things that I'm not even thinking of uh, working there. But also there he has a trainer come in. I believe it's once a week on Thursdays or Fridays. And for maybe a few hours, this trainer actually goes over uh, the requirements that they need to take their TIA plus certification. So he actually trains them on that and we actually pay them for that as well. So they, you know, they have to take the test, but we're training them to be able to do that. So a lot of these interns will stay on with us and they become full-time employees, but even if they don't, they move somewhere else. They have been, they have received world class experience, real world working experience with us. And if they choose to, they can get, you know, a, a pretty uh, well-known certification. So again, um, that's worked out really well. And so then, you know, Brooks, being a good entrepreneur that he is and a good ideas guy, so he's come up with good ideas, is that he was like, hmm, you know, I wonder if this works for us, if this would work for other companies, you know, maybe the MMSP space. And so kind of started asking around and say, like, hey, you know, do you guys, do you, what if, if, you, if we could help you find good interns, would that be a help? And like, yeah, you know, there's the with the worker shortage right now. I don't 
Oh, we'll get into all that. But I think what it, maybe the part of the problem is just pairing the right people with the right with the right companies. And so what we've done is we are now building out a database of either interns or recent college graduates who want to get into the IT space. Uh, maybe many maybe service providers, maybe you know some other kind of uh, technology company as well. And so we qualify them, we find them, and then we pair them with an MSP that wants an intern. And so MSP is not having to look for these people. We found them and we divided up by the city. And so if we know if somebody, you know, is in Fort Lauderdale or in Columbia or in uh, Spokane or wherever, we can say, okay, well, here's the candidates we have here. Introduce them. Of course, the MSP is going to interview them. And then the MSP can decide if they want to take them on. Now, as far as the agreement, uh, there is actual agreement that we have with the with the technology provider saying that, okay, since we did find this person for you, we've qualified them. Now there is going to be, basically there's a monthly charge. We do a yearly contract, but there we, we kind of share the revenue because just like we train our own interns, we're going to train them as well. And so again, the end of the week, the intern can get on uh, whatever it is, a few hours, and they will be virtually where we're, we're doing this with our interns at house and they're going to be trained their comp CIA a plus certification and we pay for that. So that's why I'm saying we're sharing the, the MSP is going to have to pay for the, the person, but we're going to pay for the training. And so again, it's, 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 it's still in its infancy. It's not because the disposal thing has been 10 years. We've, you know, we pretty much, it's a well-oiled machine. And so we're starting off with this. Uh, but we've had we've had a few cases where it's it's been really good, and I know at least one case, um, a guy out in Texas, he actually hired the guy on, so you know that was that was good for everybody. So yeah, it's about uh, asked again. It's just you know something else we're thinking how to branch out from just you know just disposal. How can we uh, basically diversify into other things that are related to technology space that you know where we see a need and a niche where. Maybe there's nobody else that's actually feeling that need. All right. Interesting. Now, if people want to inquire about that program, do they do that at the website as well through the form? Or yeah, uh, they-, they can go to the website for the candidates. It actually says candidate sign up. So if you're actually um, a person that's looking for uh, you're looking for a worker, looking for an, uh, I should say looking for an internship, then you would do the candidate sign up and put your information in. And then if you're a technology provider, an MSP or, you know, whomever, you can reach out to me and I can go over the process, you know, the entire process with you, what it, what it entails. Pretty much everything I've gone over, but there's, you know, a few more details, but that's pretty much what I've, what I've shared is, is pretty much the, uh, the crux of it. All right. And I'm going to put up the website one more time, mspdisposal.com. So you'll want to go there and let me share out. Uh, another piece of the uh, website here because I think something that people may want to take note of is that not only are you dealing with some pretty big companies, but we've got uh, an IT company there right in the middle, Kaseya, uh, one of the companies you guys work with. Right. Oh, Broadcom is there. I know Broadcom. Yeah, that's large. That's a large. Uh, that's what I was saying. That's we, we work with some larger, larger companies as well. Uh, you know, 
in our portfolio of companies, there's a there's a mix. So there are some larger Fortune 100 and 500 companies. Um, there's some we work with some larger hosting providers, uh, data centers. Uh, we do work with some contract manufacturers. So these they, those are our bigger our bigger clients, and that's really still why there's the minus tech because that's really what we're facing them as far as minus tech. Uh, but then being in front of the the managed service provider space where all the marketing efforts are going to be MSP disposal. All right. And once again, folks, I'll have all that information on the show notes page and also a way for you to contact Ryan here. If you want to inquire about the intern program. All right. Well, Ryan, we have come to the part of the show that I'm sure you have been looking forward to and all excited about the Florida man challenge where you can either present your own story to rival Florida man or answer a, a random question. And what have you decided to do for today? I, well, I'm going to, I decided to, to rival. I know this is going to be a, a hard thing to, uh, to come up against. It's kind of like Rocky going up against Ivan Drago and uh, Rocky four, but well, I'll, I'll take it. My, uh, my best shot. All right. What story do you have? All right, I got a, I got a couple I found. So I'm I'm originally from uh, Georgia. That's where I grew up. So I figured, man, there's got to be some good stories out of Georgia. You know, no offense, but my home state can be pretty uh, Florida Georgia uh, line. Come on now. <laughs> yeah, it can be can be pretty colorful. So I found um, and actually the website's called Only in Your State. So I found this. It said, okay, Larry. McElroy of Lee County, Georgia, shot an armadillo and the bullet ricocheted off the animal into the back door of his mother-in-law's home and right into her, her back. <laughs> Good news, the 70-year-old woman was taken to the hospital and is expected to recover. <laughs> wow. <laughs> uh, okay, first of all, <laughs> what kind of gun was it? They probably didn't describe that, did they? They didn't say. Yeah, I didn't say. I'm guessing it wasn't uh I'm guessing it's not a shotgun. You know, it must have been like a, a rifle. I'm hoping like a small caliber rifle or maybe a small caliber handgun. Oh man! But it doesn't. Yeah, it does. It doesn't. I'm just going to assume it wasn't a shotgun because I mean, pellets just spray out everywhere. And, and uh, dude was 54. So yeah, this that's like you know you think it's like okay the internet. I'm like, is this real? I mean, someone could make this up, but I'm thinking. That's so odd. That's got to be real. Unless somebody's just so creative, they just came up with that. I guess, you know, these days you just can't even tell. But if, if that is true, I mean, it's, I don't know. It's just, it struck me as like really out there and uh, as, as funny. So I do have, I have one more. Okay. So this one says compliance officer breaks into woman's house to serve ticket for overgrown grass. <laughs> So code compliance officer Jimmy Vowell was watching too much bounty hunter shows when he broke into a woman's house to serve her a ticket for her overgrown lawn. The homeowner, Erica Masters, caught the whole incident on tape. The officer broke into Masters' home early one early morning and went to her room demanding she signed a ticket. When she called 911, she was forwarded to the officer's supervisor and he was fired from his job. However, he was not arrested for breaking and entering the home. <laughs> oh, my. Okay. Uh, I, was, I was like, okay, so 
again, it's like, I could totally see that one happening. Yep. I, I can see that happening in Georgia too. So normally I would, you know, just hear one story and then I give you the option to choose between numbered oh, stories. I'm sorry. But I'll I, go I ahead and share both there. of these. And I'm going to share the second one first. And the third one is even better that I would have had on the okay. list. But uh, the first one comes with a uh, pictorial view. So I'm going to add this here. And it starts with Robert Guarini bought the car for $704,000. So here is that car minus your website. A Ford GT owner in Florida crashed his recently purchased $704,000 classic supercar because he was unfamiliar with manual transmission. Oh, 50-year-old Robert Guarini recently became the proud owner of the 2006 Heritage Edition Ford GT. However, shortly after purchasing it, he smashed it into a tree, completely trashing the front of the vehicle. So there is the car after uh, he got it. So that's a nice-looking vehicle. But uh, $704,000, eek. So wow. I'll have a link to that. But then the second story, this is your PG-13 <laughs> or R-rated version. A man has been arrested for allegedly killing another homeless man in a Florida encampment over his public masturbatory habits. Polk County Sheriff Grady Judge said that his office was called to a homeless encampment in Winter Haven where they found a body buried in a shallow grave in the Eloise jungle or encampment. He says that police also saw a man who ran away after they gave chase. The man was identified as Robert Simmons, also known as Mexico. Mm. Wow. <laughs> and witnesses said he had previously gotten into an altercation with the 39-year-old victim. So the victim, I'm, I'm trying to scoop over some of these stories, but so apparently the police were searching for him for 18 hours before they found him in the woods and captured him. And uh, uh, just, um, he is now being charged with second degree murder, tampering with evidence, I guess, and resisting all because he didn't like how the other guy Masturbated. Right. <laughs> That's just oh, nasty. So there you go, Florida man. That's yeah. our, that's my state. Yeah, I can't. I can't top those. <laughs> All right, well, Ryan, I think that's going to do it. I thank you for coming back on the show. Well, this is your first time on the show, but I yeah. was glad to have you guys come back. Like I said, you guys were on back in 2020 and. Wanted to get you on and talk about this. And I think it's like you said, not only is it a growing industry for you guys, but it's a growing concern for a lot of us. And I know a lot of techs that just keep crap in their office because they don't know what to do with it. Right. Now they exactly. know they can call you FedEx bots can show up and they can get rid of it and possibly make some money. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. We'd, uh, we'd love to help. Uh, yeah. Anyone wants to, to reach out to me, it'd be, 
glad to talk to them, email, however they want to communicate, have a quick conversation with them. And if they think it's a fit, we'll get an account and take it from there. All right. Well, folks, if you've joined us live, I appreciate you joining us live. Uh, we are here most Wednesdays at 8 p.m. Eastern, and I will try to have a bunch of stuff for you at all times. Next week, I don't know who is on. We have a we had a little scheduling mishap that the guests may not come on, so I'm not going to jinx that. But I know that in a couple of weeks, we've got some good shows. Uh, May and June are going to be Synology Month. We are going to be having several uh, shows. We're going to do a couple of mini shows before the live show where we are going to be talking all things Synology. So you guys should uh, start getting prepared for that. Also, we are going to be getting some good tax and accounting information. Rayan Butchanico is going to be joining us again. And all of those are going to be coming up here on the IT Business Podcast. So that's it. Again, thank you for joining us tonight, downloading and subscribing. Please head over to the website, itbusinesspodcast.com. Find any shows that you've missed. Click at the top right. Follow us on any of your podcast catching apparatuses. And that's going to do it. Until next time, holla.